Bay City, I want you to remain on your feet. In a moment, we're going to give a great clap to welcome Pastors Clark and Ann Taylor to come up. And uh, come on up here right now. Ann, come on up and say hello to church. Let's give them a great welcome. Holy Ghost Ministries. Clark has pioneered churches throughout the world. He's raised up more men than I can imagine that uh, have carried out and gone and planted churches. Great man of faith, great man of the Holy Ghost. Welcome. It's great to have you both here. And we want you to say something. Thank you for your warm welcome. Please be seated. We do feel privileged to be in this place that you and your pastors have created under God. And there was a guy named Jacob. He had an encounter with God. And when he woke up in the morning, he said, this is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And we are privileged people to be the house of God here today. And this is the gate of heaven for multitudes of people we don't know here yet and people overseas that we'll possibly never meet but I want to honour your pastors, your leaders and you people that you have created a house of God and we are truly privileged to be here today. Thank you. Thank you very much Anne. Thank you Pastor Mike, Pastor Joy, thank you all the leadership of the church and to the church. I truly um, do honour, and there's a word being said a lot here today, but it's a very true word. I do honour Pastor Mike and Joy, and I honour your leadership. I honour you as people. Um, New Zealand is a great country. It's, it's brought forth so many great people. New Zealand is forged by great people. Well, it's a small landmass, but it's a rugged country. And it's produced rugged people. And people who have fought in world wars and conquered. And people who have tamed this land and made it productive and fertile and made it great. So I honor you as people. And I certainly honor you for building a great church. And having a testimony that God is today. And that God's power is real today. And that you're, you're not going with the popular trend in many places where they leave God's power and sort of leave God. You can't leave God. If you leave God, you've got nothing. It's God who's made us great. It's God who is great. And God who comes to live inside of us. And that truth is just the greatest truth in all the world. That when Christ died on the cross, rose again, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, that he was raised a life-giving spirit. And that mighty spirit of Jesus came on the inside of me the night I got saved. I didn't realize it. I just knew I'd accepted Jesus as my Savior. And when I came to understand that mighty spirit of Christ had come and joined himself to my spirit. And then I went home to the farm where I was living. That mighty spirit of Christ went home in me, with me, joined to my spirit. And he began to train me and educate me, and teach me the ways of God and how to live. He began to walk with me and Help me and talk with me. In those early farm days, he just talked with me. 
Heck, I feel like leaving my message and just talking. He just talked with me. God will talk with you. If you want Him to, God will talk to you. He talks to me regularly. He'll talk to you. He's a still, small voice. I remember going home to the farm, and I was going for the cows. I used to get up at 3.30 in the morning. I was batching, milking about 98 head, which are small numbers to your New Zealand numbers. But they were bigger nowadays then. It's a long time ago. We had race bales and all that sort of stuff. And I remember one day I was looking from a saddle cloth. I used to ride in radios a little bit, not much, but a bit, and camp drafts and radios, all that sort of stuff. And so I had bought myself a saddle cloth for two pounds. And I was a bit of a skin flint, so it was a lot. Otherwise, I used a corn bag. They were cheap. And I lost this this saddle cloth slipped out of my saddle, chasing some store bullocks on Johnny's flat amongst the long grass. Couldn't find it. I asked God where it was. I was about a week old, I suppose, as a Christian. And uh, he didn't show me. And I was quite peeved inside. I was in a hurry. I was always in a hurry. And I wanted to find that saddle cloth, and I was just wasting time. And I felt peeved with God. And I remember looking up in sort of anger on the inside and resentful that God didn't just show me where the saddlecloth was. And I said, you're not much of a mate, are you? <laughs> if I was your mate and I was up there, I'd show you where it is. <laughs> and it's as true as I stand here within, within a minute, within half a minute, I rode right on top of it. And I tell you, this, my skin creeped and my hair stood up. And I looked up and I said respectfully, because I didn't really know then he lived inside of me. I thought he lived in heaven. And I looked up and I said, I really appreciate that. <laughs> and little by little, just working on that farm, God would talk to me and educate me. And he taught me to do things. He challenged me. I'd mark out pigsty post holes through the daytime where I had some light to side them up. And I'd dig them with a crowbar and shovel at night time to get in a bit more work, you know, because I was intending to buy myself a big cattle property. And I'd bought myself a little place and I was trying to get enough together to buy another place. I was in my 20s and just working hard, batching. And, and God became like my friend. And I gradually learned that I could trust him. And it was a real big deal for me to absolutely know there's a man just working a farm trying to make a quid and get ahead, that I could trust God and that God actually knew me and he'd come and talk to me. Now, I couldn't read or write much in those days. I hadn't had an education. I grew up in the outback of the Northern Territory. Great big property. Long way out, you know, it's just a long way. And uh, so there were no schools there, there was no anything up there, there was no mail service, no telephones, there was nothing. You just went there. Third World War could have happened, we wouldn't have had a clue. We'd have just kept on mustering cattle. Until you know, <laughs> somebody, two or three people might come past in a year, but that'd be about it. And sometimes not that either. 
Um, I remember once a woman came by and once in 18 months and that was the only European lady that my mother had seen for that 18 months and she came by and I don't know how long till the next one came. So we were a fair way out. Just cattle, horses, hard work, long hours and just making a property out of that great big area. And I was down south on a farm, fattening, daring property. But I learned God through my daily routine of life. And I learned that the Spirit of God did exactly what He said He did in 1 Corinthians six seventeen. He said that he is, the Spirit of God is joined to our spirit, and we are one spirit with the Lord. My goodness. If Jesus Christ is joined to your spirit, the one who created New Zealand, created the entire universe, flung the stars into space, worked out the engineering of it all, that incredible God joined to your spirit with myriads of angels at His disposal, all to stand at His bequest. And He has joined to you. And He tells you to rise up in the Spirit. And to learn to have faith in your heart that you can believe God. Too often we're looking for the external feelings from God. But God wants us to trust Him. My father was an honest man, a good man, hard-working man. I watched him buy lots of bullocks, a lot of money's worth of bullocks, buy heaps of them, and shook hands on the deal. And if somebody came and offered Dad more, he would not have sold them. His word, his handshake, that was as good as any letter written by a lawyer. Better, most likely. That, that handshake and that word. And I have learned over my lifetime that I can trust this word that God has given me, whether I feel like it's true or whether I don't, it remains true. Whether I drift off it or not, the word remains stable. And I can link my life to the word of God and that Word of God will carry me through. I don't always get instant answers. I don't always get instant relief when I'm under pressure. But I always get answers. And I always get relief. I found that God didn't look for mamby-pamby people. He looked for men who are men and women who are women. Whether you're young or whether you're old. He cares not what age we are, cares not what color we are. He cares not about any of the things that some people care about, but He does care about your spirit, you as an individual, your eternal destiny, your journey through this life, whether you journey it with God or without Him. He cares about that, for you are His child. And I'm his child. 
regardless how much we learn, all the experiences we might have, we are just a little child in the hand of a mighty God. Now Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 says this, Jesus speaking, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. I've learned that there are two realms that are powerful realms. The first is the natural world that we all are familiar with. We are born into this sin-benighted natural world, this fallen world, with its sin, sickness, shame, and suffering, and glorious parts too, great acts of heroism, acts of courage, acts of boldness, daring things that people have done. So we're born into this world, but we're going to live forever. You will never die. You will just change existence from this world to the next. And there is the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm has everything in it that I as a human being need. And when you are born again, everything you need to journey successfully through this life has been deposited into your spiritual account by Jesus Christ. You have nothing that you need that you don't have. God has given it to you. When you were born again, you became a child of God. You have every right to access what God has given you, and so do I. And I've been in some tough times in my life and some tough situations as a preacher and apart from being a preacher. And I have found that God comes through. Sometimes I thought it was one minute past twelve, but He thought it was still one minute to twelve. But He came through, and He brought deliverance with Him when He came. God will do it for you. You can put your trust in God. You can put your life in the hand of a mighty God, and don't ever take it out. Only God can hold us through this world. The currency of heaven is faith. Faith is believing God. It's believing that what God says is true. It believes that God is an honest individual, that God does not lie. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and will he not make it good? And I have learned through the experiences of my life that I can put my faith in God when I've been sick, when I've been well, when things have been going really well for me, which mostly they have, and when things have been seemingly going really against me.
which they have a couple of times. And I have learned through it all that God knows the way through everything. And if I cling to Him. There was a person came on an altar in Australia recently. And that person was saying to me that they're in this terrible hole. And it was a terrible hole. They were in a tragic situation. In my wisdom, I did not know how they would get out. But I knew what to tell them. I said once I was young and now I'm a bit older. And I've been through a lot of things in my life. And I've learned this, that when I don't know the way out, I hang on to the one who does know the way out. And if I hang on to my shepherd, my shepherd's walked out of holes with people right through time. He's been into every situation, every hole, every impossible circumstance with people, with his children. And he knows how to walk out of it and to carry you out of it. Victorious, whole, strong. There's another realm. And I've learned to sit at home wherever I might be and reach into that realm of the Spirit and draw down over my life that which I need, whether it's courage, strength, health, whatever it might be. And I don't always have an answer in an instant. I wish I could tell you I did. But then I'd tell you a falsehood. But I have learned that while I persist in drawing on God's power, God's power comes over me and stands with me, encourages me, vitalizes me, invigorates me. And when I've been in some of the toughest fights that I've been in, I have found that my God, when I felt like all my courage had gone and I stood up in the midst of the battle, somehow He stood up inside of me and I was a giant again. Because it's not my strength, it's the strength of another one who lives within me. It's not my wisdom, it's the wisdom of another one who lives within me and in you. Same one lives in you. It's not my ability, but it's His ability. And when I have learnt, and I have learnt, I believe, that great exchange that I gave God my life, which was pretty worthless, and He gave me the life of His Son to live in me and to be with me right through this life and into the life to come. My goodness me, friend, there is nothing that you cannot do. There is no battle you cannot win. There is no obstacle you cannot overcome. If your heart is linked to Almighty God, and you refuse with dogged determination to let go, He will carry you through. In this world, we have something of an easier lifestyle. And at home, some young people I know of get $50 a week pocket money and all sorts of things. 
I gave mine to Bob. <laughs> Thought I was the last of the great givers. <laughs> and the first thing out they did with that two shillings was tithe two pennies and put it aside for God. And they learnt to believe God. And they did okay. They've all done okay. They all love God and they're all walking with God and all got their own homes and everything else. They did all right. I didn't have life easy and in some ways I'm glad I didn't have it easy. And a lot of you here wouldn't have had life easy either. You had to stand and believe and and believe in yourself before you met Christ, but now you can believe in somebody greater. You can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you and gave himself for you and came and joined himself to you. Moffat says this about Mark eleven twenty four. That is why I tell you, whatever you pray and ask for, if you believe that you have received it, it shall be yours. So I've learnt to really know what I want from God. Strength, life, health, whatever it is. And to know exactly and reach into that realm of the Spirit, which is not far away, it's just above me. And believe and take that which I want from God and draw it down over my life not just once, but over and over, and receive it and thank God for it from my own heart, honor God for it and thank Him for it and expect it to manifest itself. Stand up and believe God. Our opposition is Satan and sometimes people. And Satan uses people or else you're up against evil spirits who have set themselves against you perhaps. But Jesus Christ on the cross destroyed him or the power of death, that is the devil. The word destroyed doesn't mean destruction forever so there's nothing left. It means rendered paralyzed. It remains rendered ineffective. But he is only ineffective if you use your faith. If I believe and I receive over my life that atmosphere of God, that realm of God, if I believe and I receive the anointing that comes from on high, and then I stand up and I start to speak out of that anointing, if I stand now and let the life of God flow through me, my goodness me, you can do it. I often think that I've never met anybody who had less hope to make it than I did. You can make it. You can do it. You can do it. The God in you will be a strength you never had. He makes weak men into strong men. He makes ladies who have never had to fight a battle into powerful women. He'll train your hands for war. He'll make you mighty. And you will need a developed faith to get through this life. Someday you might have young people who have to fight for your children, 
Fight for your home. Fight for your sustenance. We live in a very shaky world. We've all had a reminder of it recently. Our security is really not in this world. My security comes from heaven. My stability comes from God. And He's able to provide for me, for my family. He's able to provide for you. And we need to learn faith as quickly as possible. For if the world gets dim and the light goes dark, your faith will let you see a new tomorrow. I'll let you see a way through, and you'll help a lot of people while you're going there. Well, I've learned that the realm of God above me is never far from me. No matter whether I feel great or feel bad, that realm of God above me is never far from me. And God has placed in that realm everything you need for a successful life. Everything, every miracle, every healing, every provision, every second chance, and every hundredth chance, and every thousandth chance. It's all there. It's called grace. It's there. And you can reach up with your arms of faith. And you can put your arms around the provision of God and draw it out of that realm of the Spirit into this realm in which we live. And you can put your shoulders back, put your head up, for you are a child of God. You are not a misfit nor an accident. Your life is not by chance, but it's by divine design. God formed you in your mother's womb, the Bible says. Thank God. Thank God that we weren't left to chance. Whether you know who your dad is or not, God formed you in your mother's womb. Whether you had a tough upbringing or whether you had a good one, God formed in your mother's room. God put marks of success in you, put marks of greatness in you, in that seed. He chose the DNA from all of the DNA of your forebears, which is vast bank of DNA. And out of it all, He selected the DNA and made you. He never made an accident. He made you for a purpose. You are great because God made you. You are great because Christ redeemed you. You are great because God offers to empower you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're great because the Holy Spirit will come and make His home in your body. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, that you're not your own, you're bought with a price. So, now, I'm stopping around a bit here, but who cares? Only I know my notes, so 
you haven't got a clue what they are. So where I go is anybody's guess. I trust I'll follow the theme of the Spirit. So God comes and sickness comes against us. All sorts of sickness. Terrible sicknesses. Minor ones. Tragedies come to us. But God is over all. God teaches us to learn faith. To learn miracles. Why is there so much sickness in the world? Because not enough men and women have paid the price to find the miracle power of God. That's why. To bring a deliverance to their generation. Young people, it's up to you really. Because it's your generation now. Whether you will stand there and say, God, I will find the way. And you cannot give it to somebody. You can give them the beginnings of it. You can impart to people. You can place things in people. But then that person has got to do what your pastor so wonderfully described. He's found a time where he had to take it for himself. It's no longer from anybody else. Now it's from God. Anyhow, it never was from anybody. It's from God. God it is who gives good things. He often gives them through a human being. And he'll put a spirit of get up and go in you. A spirit of faith in you. That won't say no and won't say die. Put something in you that'll stand up on the inside. Look up to God and know that in Him my redemption draws nigh. He is my God. He is my God. We learn to fight for our spiritual rights. It's what faith does to us. God has given me a right to have peace in my heart. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore we are justified by faith, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if something tries to steal my peace, I can fight it because my inheritance is peace with God. So I can tell that thing to go out of my life and tell it a few times if necessary. And when you're talking to the devil, you don't say, now you go. How many of you ever trained a dog to be a cattle dog or a sheep dog you have in Cattle dogs, I was with cattle. And the dog comes to follow you, this little pup. And you say, go home, go home, go home. And you wag his tail at you. And you tell him, go And stick his tail between his teeth. And if he doesn't go, you help him with a boot. <laughs> and he gets to learn. An association of go home. And a boot up the backside. <laughs> and he goes home. And sometimes you've got to give the devil the boot. Get out, devil. And you understand and talk to him. I die. He's not a pussycat, nor are you. But he is defeated. 
Know that. That by Jesus Christ on the cross, Satan was defeated. I don't fight for victory. I enforce victory. I often say to the devil when he comes against me to discourage me or whatever, devil, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you and I cast you out. And there is nothing you can do about it. For sometimes they still try and stand there and their oppressive spiritual power comes at you. And I'll say, there is nothing you can do about it. For you were defeated on the cross. And I stand in the power of the blood and the power of the Word of God. You have to go. You have to leave me. And he does. And he and I have had that confrontation, or demons and I, hundreds of times. They have to go. They must bow the knee to you, for Christ is in you. So if faith teaches us to fight for what is ours, I've been given an inheritance by Jesus Christ. Part of that inheritance is health. It doesn't, well, I have not found, it means freedom from sickness, but I hope you find that. I have found, though, that every sickness that's come against me, and there's been a lot, that faith in Christ has brought the victory. And so, there we are. So you look. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My faith, I fight for it. My inheritance. And Christ said, that by his stripes I was healed, 1 Peter 2.24. And if I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, then I'm healed. And I can stand and say to God, God, I'm healed. And so normally for me, even if I'm still feeling a bit odd, I act like I'm healed. I endeavor to talk like I'm well. And I keep doing things when many others would be lying in bed. And I just keep coming back because I defy the devil. God has given me right. So, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the house of God. God gets no glory out of sickness. To say I'm sick for the glory of God personally, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but to me, for me, that is a travesty. No sickness gives God glory. A person and many people have said to me, I've learned a lot through my sickness. I said, you could have learned it easier ways than that. Not the only way you can learn something. Uh, if this house was a mess, I notice you have it beautifully appointed. There's a lot of care gone into this house. Your ceiling, your lighting, your platform. If your toilets were all wrecked and still running and never cleaned, and they were all just a mess, would that bring God glory? Well, if your refuse system out of your body is all in a mess, does that bring God glory? I don't think so. 
And if the walls of your house are all broken down through disease, I don't see how that brings God glory. And I'll tell you what, the healing power of Jesus brings God glory. That gives God glory. When this temple can stand and carry the divine treasure that lives in it, that brings God glory. Faith is the answer. That even when sickness comes against you, and it might hammer you for a period of time, that your heart will stand with the Word of God. You look for somebody to join their faith with yours, and stand you do, and fight that thing by the power of the Word. Tell that devil he's defeated. Walk out into your victory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seen it over and over again. Well, I'd like to tell you a story, and then I'm going to stop speaking. I started a lot of churches in my time. And I was starting churches one year just on a face from Cairns down to Brisbane. And I'd go up there and started 13 one year. And I came to a town, only a little town, 5,000 people, hard-bitten little town. They built their memorials in, in the cemetery costing sixty dollars to $80,000. They'd put food in there for the dead. I noticed it was still there when I looked. <laughs> they didn't eat much. <laughs> but still they were doing this. It was a hard town. And I did everything that I thought of to do. I never had any money. But I just, with what you got, you just do your best. So I hired a loudspeaker megaphone. Cost $5 a day. I could afford that. And I went up and down town in a car, calling out, Come tonight. The power of God will be there tonight. Here, Clark Taylor preached. I was so embarrassed. I hope they won't recognize me. But I just spruked up and down that street. And then I walked up and down the footpath, handing out invitations to everybody, went into every shop, asked the businessman, could I pray for his business and all the rest of it? Did he have any sick people I could pray for? But, but they all looked at me like I was a leper. Anyhow, I got there that night, and there was only one person turned up. And that was a politician. He'd come to, to be the big shot and to impress the crowds. <laughs> he was the crowd. <laughs> well, I led him to Christ, but I don't think it was a real decision. I think he was just trying to get rid of me. And I went home. I felt defeated. And I went home and sat by myself and prayed. And I said, God, if the devil can drive me out of that town, he can drive me out of any town. Next month, I was back there again. I took up a special offering to get the money so I could go up in an airfare because I was very busy. I went there again. And I did the same sort of things. Only I'd had a month confessing with my mouth, believing with my heart that a crowd would turn up for me to speak to. And I confessed it and believed it, and defied the demons that were over that town for the whole month. I went back. 
about 10 people turned up. They were tough people. They sat there. My goodness me. But that night, two of them got saved. And I went home, and I said again, if the devil could drive me out of that town, he could drive me out of any town. So I was back there again the next month. Actually, two weeks later, I'd confessed and believed God that every demon in that town was subject to me, that I was going to take that town for Jesus Christ. And I got a bunch more people, about 30 turned up, to listen to me. Well, we built a church there of 140 people within 12 months. But if I'd have backed off, I'm saying to you, sometimes you've got to fight for your inheritance. If I'd have backed off, there would have been no work of God in that town. It would have just closed in and the demons would have laughed. They had the people. But persistent. Confession, believing, faith, the spirit of faith. Well, I think to a large measure, you've got to learn faith by yourself. Faith is something that's born by Christ in your heart. And every person that's born again has got the measure of faith. It's what you do with that measure of faith whether you take it and use it. And you have a most excellent pastor, and I'm sure many of the leadership under him that you can go to, to for advice when it doesn't seem to work out for some reason or whatever, to keep you on course. But I do know this, that you can impart the spirit of faith. For you cannot give away what you're not. But you can give away in the Spirit what you are. And you can impart what God has built into you. You can give it away. It's always been so from Old Testament to now. One day, you'll be giving it away. Because one day, this young generation will be the old generation. And they'll be believing for the next generation to rise up and do what they didn't do and go way beyond where they went. For every generation should stand on the shoulders of the generation that went before. We shouldn't all have to fight the same battles. We should be able to give away what we get, so that others can start. My young people at home, our teenagers in the youth group, there's a bunch of them, lots of them. They all move in the word of knowledge and the power of God. And a bunch from high school got saved. And they saw Andrew, the youth pastor, who's 23, I think, 24 maybe, Going up and down, the power of God falling on them. Andrew had never done that till he came to our church. But he saw it could happen. And he reached for it. Wanted it. Oh, I hope you reach for it. I hope you want it. It's not enough that the pastor or somebody's got it. It's, it's you. You're the one. 
Nobody will influence the people you'll influence. Only you. Only you. They're your mission field. So, these kids came up, baggy pants, young people, and they said to him, they said, when we, can we do that and make people fall over? Oh, Andrew said, you'll do that in a week or so. Truly, they said, yeah. They said, you pray, Andrew said. You pray a lot. And next week I'll teach you how to get filled with the power of God and how to move. So these kids did. And they went back to school and they told their mates. And their mates came and got saved. 65 visitors we've had in the last three weeks in our teenagers because they're telling their mates and their mates are coming. And the power of God's getting in those high schools. Five high schools now are open to us and we're in amongst them, about 5,000 young people. God's doing great things. These young people are believing God. My goodness, our granddaughter goes there and she said to me, Granddad, revival's not going to start in a big church. I said, isn't it? Her name's Taylor. I said, isn't it, Taylor? She said, no, it's going to start with the teenagers. She said, we really have got the power of God. <laughs> I asked her one day for a joke. I said, would you like to come to big church today, Taylor? She said, no, Granddad. I love you, but you're boring. Andrew's <laughs> exciting. <laughs> So they're doing their thing, growing up in the power of God, how it should be. Dreaming their dreams, world to conquer. You can do it, young people, you can do it. Well, look at you on this platform, proud of you, just proud of you. What great young people bouncing around up here. I think it's fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Love for God in your heart that's on your face too. But what I've got, I'd like to give to those of you who would like it. I would like to impart to you the spirit of faith. That spirit of dogmatic determination that I will hold to the Word of God till hell freezes over. And if hell freezes over, then I'll walk across. <laughs> I'm just going to hold to that Word of God. I had a very bad heart. They told me I was going to die and whatever. I didn't, but however. But it looked like it a few times. And I determined in my heart that if I died, my last spoken words or third thought words would be, I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that I am healed. That would have walked into heaven like that. Anyhow, for those of you who would like to, do you want to do something, brother? Oh. I thought you were wanting to do something. Uh, well, there's a lot of you. People. I, I didn't expect this many of you. Okay, we need some guys to line people up here. Come on, get a line right along here. That's it, one line, just shoulder to shoulder. Make a gap in through here. Needs to be a gap. They're going to fall over, you know. So if you're going to step up near to them, you're the catcher. Keep your eyes open. Okay, next row, further back. Same on that side. Great stuff. That's it. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Okay. This is what we're going to do. It'll take me a little while to get the last of you, but we'll get there. It won't take long. I won't pause long. I'm just going to impart to you. You take, don't take me, I'm no use to anybody, but take the anointing of my life, take it onto your life. Take the determination, take the spirit of faith that God's built over me over the years. Take it and put it inside yourself. And you take it, when I get impartation from somebody, I lock it in my heart. And I spend some little time standing there or lying on the floor, whichever it may be, saying, Jesus, I own this now. And I build it into my life. I work on it for the next few weeks especially, till it's grounded into me so that nothing can take it from me. Brother, you're going to pray with me. Yeah. We're going to believe God. Father God, Father, this man's full of faith already. But we join our lives together in the Holy Ghost as brothers in Christ. It is men of God. And let the mighty faith of God, the faith of Christ, flow into his life even more abundantly. Now, Father, faith, 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 faith. Father God, faith, faith, faith. Faith, faith, faith. Father, impartation of the spirit of faith. Father, the spirit of faith. Let me start down here. This line might reform or something. Father, the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. The Spirit, Father God. Now, 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 fight, fight. Impartation. 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 Mighty impartation. 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 Spirit of faith that's on my life. I give. God, 
I give it to him. 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 God, I give it to him. I give it to him. Road, just come forward, move forward. Those who've been prayed for, if you could just move up and move away to your seat, that's possible. Or sit in the front row. Okay, next row forward. Catches all ready to go. Father God, now. Father now. Father now. Father now. Now. Father now. Father now. Father now. Let the anointing flow through. Father, now. Father, now. Now. Father, God.
Yeah. Taxes already? Yes. 